Good morning, Catalyst Church. It is good to see each and every one of you here this morning. And I'd also like to welcome the CNU parents who are here this weekend. It's a pleasure to have your child worship with us each Sunday. And I want you to know that we're here for them if they ever have a need or if they have anything that they need that we could care for them at Catalyst Church. We'd love to do that with this being their church home while they're at Catalyst. Uh, Friends, I'm always encouraged to see you worship God in song and in the reading of his word, in the breaking of bread and in prayer. I'm encouraged by your faithful attendance and service to our Lord as we gather together in worship. Being in biblical community is a vital part of every believer's life. This being in biblical community implies closeness and cooperation amongst all believers, and a love that can only be found in knowing the overpowering love of Jesus Christ. Whether you've been attending Catalyst for many years or it's your first time as a guest or a college student, being in biblical community is imperative for your continued spiritual growth. You receive one aspect of growth by attending our Sunday service, but it's really important to gather outside of this dwelling and join in a body of believers outside of the church. It's what we call a community group. We have several groups you can join to help in in encouraging one another in our daily lives. We study God's word together and pray for one another and meet each other's needs. I am personally comforted to know there are other like-minded believers here this morning, maybe others throughout the week, that I can call on if I have a need or have a question that needs answered or I need some sort of advice to help me and to help me figure out a problem. Or I may have a prayer request that I want to share with others to pray with me about. I encourage you to seek out a community group to join at Catalyst Church today. In our typical preaching service, we preach through one passage of Scripture to show how Jesus is the hero of that passage and how we live in light of what he said. Today, we're going to be studying multiple passages throughout the Bible to see who the Holy Spirit is and how we live in light of him. During the season leading up to Christmas, we'll be studying the book of Luke and discovering who Jesus really was and learn about the gospel that he preached. We will see how his ministry and the gospel was the reverse of what religion preaches to the people of his day and for us today also. Throughout his ministry in the book of Luke, you consistently see that Jesus was empowered by the Spirit. So who was the Spirit? Is the Spirit just for Jesus or is he empowering believers to continue in his work? Everyone in this life needs some sort of help and guidance. If you're a student, you have a teacher that can answer your questions while you are in school. As you get older, you have a guidance counselor to help you figure out what courses to take while in school to better prepare you for your next journey after high school. Sometimes college students are encouraged to find a mentor to help them prepare for a specific future job or career field that the mentor has already achieved success in to help steer the student to his or her 
greater success. All these are good steps to take as we continue in this journey we call life. As we all know, a mentor or a teacher, a guidance counselor, or even a good friend can only do so much to help us in our journey. We eventually must move on as we continue in this journey. At times, our, path, our times are marked with great success and we relish in the good times as we continue in this journey. Other times, self-doubt may creep in. We may experience periods of loneliness, periods of uncertainty, times of human strife with a coworker or even a family member. Financial troubles may come our way or we may experience a sense of lostness with no visual sight of recovery. So let me ask you this question. Who do you turn to when you need some sort of advice or things seem to be cartwheeling out of control? Do you go to a bookstore and find the latest and greatest self-help book? Would you call a good friend who could try to help you navigate the current issues you are facing? Do you call your old mentor to help you reorient yourself to your career goals? Or do you seek the help of a counselor to listen to your problems? All these could be an option to help you in this dilemma. But for the believer, the ones who have placed their faith and hope in Jesus, we have a greater resource and an answer for you. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we as a church are blessed to have you in our midst here today. We are blessed to have your spirit to lead us and guide us, to protect us, and to encourage us as we gather here in worship. Father, would you open our hearts and minds to receive what you would have for us to learn today? Would you encourage the weak and lonely this very morning to depend on your love and kindness to sustain them? For those who do not have a relationship with Jesus, I pray that today would be the day that they answer the call to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We look forward to seeing how you will use each and every one here today to fulfill your kingdom purposes. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I just said believers have an often gift and resource to help in life. We have God, the Holy Spirit, to help lead us and to guide us. He protects our hearts and minds and provides comfort. He brings us into remembrance of all that Jesus has said and done for us and all that Jesus has taught. We have this great gift that we can rely on and trust as all good and sufficient. You may be saying, this all sounds good, but I really don't know who the Holy Spirit is. You might be saying, is this spirit an it? or a thing, or a person? Is he some kind of a ghost? All are good questions that deserve a biblically correct answer. Today we're going to be looking at three aspects of the Holy Spirit. We'll be answering three questions. Who is the Holy Spirit? What does he do? And what does that mean for me? One of the great ways to know who the Holy Spirit is is to read the Baptist Faith and Message. So reading in the Baptist Faith and Message 2000, we have a section titled, God. Let me read it for you. 
There is one and only one living and true God. He is intelligent, spiritual, and personal being, the creator, redeemer, preserver, and ruler of the universe. God is infinite in holiness and all other perfections. God is all-powerful and all-knowing, and his perfect knowledge extends to all things, past, present, and future, including the future decisions of his free creatures. To him, we, to him, we owe the highest love, reverence, and obedience. The eternal triune God reveals himself to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit with distinct personal attributes but without division of nature, essence, or being. So we see that there is one living and true God, all-knowing, all-powerful, perfect in every aspect, creator, redeemer, and preserver, ruler of the universe, perfect in his will and in his judgment and mercy. Truly one, we owe our highest love, reverence, and obedience to. He is someone we can fully trust and willfully obey. It says the triune God reveals himself, capital letters himself, as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, with distinct personal attributes, but without division of nature, essence, or being. These distinct attributes of the triune, or three-person God, make up the Godhead. Many people may say they recognize God as a heavenly being, the creator of all things seen and unseen. Some have some sort of belief that there is a God, while at the same time admitting they do not have a personal relationship with him, or even know they can have a relationship with him. He is just some sort of spiritual being up in the heavenly realm who is just there looking out for the universe. They have no understanding of his infinite perfection, infinite holiness, or know him as all-powerful and all-knowing creator, who has infinite wisdom and control of past, present, and future events. Some may say they have heard of Jesus, saying he was a prophet, a good teacher, or a rabbi. Some may say he was the king of the Jews, but never recognize him as Emmanuel, God with us, God in the flesh. Many have no clue that he is known as God the Son, as we just read. Jesus, being the Son of God, took upon himself human nature, identifying himself with mankind, yet without sin. He made provision for the redemption of man from sin, by a substitutionary death on the cross. He was raised from the dead with a glorified body. Later, he ascended into heaven and is now exalted at the right hand of God, where he is the one mediator, fully God, fully man, in whose person is affected the reconciliation between God and man. He now dwells in believers as living and ever-present. Lord. For some here today, you may have some understanding of who God the Father is. You may have some understanding of who Jesus, God the Son, is, but may admit you do not fully understand who God the Spirit is. We're going to dive into that very point today. 
Let's look at what the Baptist Faith and Message has to say under God, section C. It is titled, God the Holy Spirit. It says, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God, fully divine. He inspired holy men of old to write the scriptures. Through illumination, he enables men to understand truth. He exalts Christ. He convicts men of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. He calls men to the Savior and affects regeneration. At the moment of regeneration, he baptizes every believer into the body of Christ. He cultivates Christian character, comforts believers, bestows the spiritual gifts by which they serve God through his church. He seals the believer unto the day of final redemption. His presence in the Christian is the guarantee that God will bring the believer into the fullness of the statue of Christ. He enlightens and empowers the believer and the church in worship, evangelism, and service. So when we ask the question, who is the Holy Spirit? The correct and rightful answer is this. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. In reading this, we see the Spirit of God has multifaceted tasks and is a key player who is active in all believers' lives. And at the same time, he is drawing those who do not have a relationship with Christ towards him. He is known as a person who has been present with the Father and the Son since before time began. He was present and involved in creation. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Think about this. There was never a time that the Holy Spirit, that God and Jesus were not together. And so, how do we know that the Holy Spirit is a person? Several passages in the Bible point us to the fact that he is a person. Reading in Romans 8.27, we see he has a mind. Romans 8.27 says, And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. The Holy Spirit fully knows the will of the Father. He is mindful in his actions. The Spirit acts according to the will of God, and in his will he carries out all that the Father would have him to do. We also see the Holy Spirit has emotion. Ephesians 4.30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Our God is not without emotion. He sees and knows everything that takes place. This passage is aimed at believers to remind them to continue to put away the old self that once was in conflict with God and to remain in Christ, not returning to the sin and behaviors that once kept us far from the Lord. We also see the Holy Spirit has a will. 
1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 11 tells us of the manifestations the Spirit reveals to the believer for the common good. To some, he bestows a message of wisdom, to others a message of knowledge, to another faith, and the other abilities listed in verses 7 through 10. But what I want you to focus on is in verse 11. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. The Holy Spirit is a person and is known by believers because he resides in all believers, and he distributes these gifts as he determines and will. That brings us to the question, what does he do? What is his role? The first thing the Holy Spirit does is provide help. Before Jesus was crucified on the cross, he spent time with his disciples telling them he would soon leave them and they were to carry on with the mission of making disciples. He told them that they would not be alone and not to worry, for the, God, for the Father was going to send them a helper, one who would guide them and be with them. Reading in John chapter 14, verses 15 through 16, it says, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. One interesting fact I want you to see is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are mentioned in this one verse. From the very beginning of time to this specific time in Scripture, to our present time and into the future, our God in three persons is active and effective in the lives of believers. Jesus said, the Father will give you a helper, not for a school year or for a season of your life, but he will be with you forever. Be encouraged today knowing that you have an ever-present God with you in this life. Second, we have a teacher and a reminder. Reading in John 14, 26, Jesus said, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. The Holy Spirit is not like a school teacher who teaches the student a subject, then tests them to see if they have retained the information they have been taught. Instead, he is there to remind us of everything that Jesus has taught and said. College students, wouldn't it be awesome to have a teacher looking over your shoulder while taking a test and have him remind you of the correct answer? The disciples had Jesus for three years, and then he was no longer with them. In their quest to reach the lost, they would have felt helpless in their task of making disciples of Jesus had they not had the Holy Spirit to guide them. The Holy Spirit then and now is in our lives to remind us of everything Jesus has taught and spoke. People might say, I would like to share my faith with others, but I'm afraid I might not get scripture right or remember all of God's word when trying to share with another person. Do not fear, the Holy Spirit will give you confidence and all the knowledge you need in that moment. 
Just know God's desire is that you would be willing to be used in that moment, and he will take care of the rest. The third thing the Holy Spirit does is guides us to all truth. John 16, 13 says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. There are many religions and different beliefs around the world that point a person to eternal life. Some may point you to good works to receive salvation. Someone may say you have to be a good person to have that hope. None of these or any other system will grant you salvation based on any of these merits. False teachers will come and try to sway you into believing in their methods of salvation. They will try to persuade a new believer that their system is better. They will say there are many ways to get into heaven. It would be easy to be misled if you have not read scripture and studied God's word in a Bible-believing church, a church that relies on God's word to teach and guide believers into this truth. There is little doubt in this life that you will be confronted by other beliefs or another person's way of relating to God. It's not uncommon to see political winds of change as we have elections quite often in America. Often change deteriorates what once could have had a sound underlying of faith in the one true God, but now leaves it up to one's own personal belief whether true or made up. Satan would like nothing better than to have a believer be receptive to these ideas of change and tolerance in the Christian life. He would love for us to be receptive to another person's truth and would love to see a continuance in this society that rejects Jesus as the only way and hope of salvation in this life. As we continue to see people lean into their own truth, this falling away could and will creep in to the church's theology if we do not rely on the Holy Spirit to remind us help us and continue to lead us in this truth that is so vital for the believer. This truth that is found in God's word will help you remain faithful and refute false teachings. Fourth is the source of wisdom and power. Reading in Acts chapter 1 verses 8, Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Then reading in Ephesians 1 verse 17, it says, I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. When we take the step to tell another person about Jesus or we share our personal salvation experience with a friend, it can be intimidating and we can feel as if we are inadequate to share our experience or to tell someone of God's plan of salvation. In our own power, we'll be limited in our effectiveness in this situation. But you, believer, will receive power from the Holy Spirit when you take the step to tell someone of God's great love for them. Think of this power as help and aid. Think of it as a teacher looking over your shoulder that tells you what to say and how to respond 
to a difficult question or subject. In these moments, the Holy Spirit is not going to abandon you and leave you with a half-hearted, good luck, let me know how it goes speech. He is going to give you the power to be Christ's witness of all he has done for you. He will remind you of all that Christ has said and done. He will give you the wisdom you need in these moments. You can depend on him. Now we're going to look at what does that mean for me. First, he convicts men of sin. All of us here today have been convicted of sin, whether you are a follower of Christ, or maybe you are the one here today that would say, I have never received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Whichever camp you find yourself in, we all have been found guilty or proven wrong concerning sin. You have been proven guilty before the Father. There was never a time before you accepted Jesus as your Savior that you could say, I am innocent and do not deserve God's righteous judgment. Jesus said in John 16, verses 8, when he comes, Jesus speaking of the Holy Spirit, he will prove the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. He will prove, which means he will provide undisputable evidence that is most compelling to the one he is enlightened to their sin. For those who have never accepted Jesus or to the believer who has heard this compelling argument, this is and was a huge moment in your life. You can either accept the fact that you are a sinner and are in need of a savior or reject the fact and face God's righteous judgment. This conviction that the Holy Spirit stirs in your heart is in fact a wonderful gift. This is a gospel moment, a good news moment where the Father displays his love to all creation. His will is not for man to be punished and perish in hell, but for man to be restored in a personal relationship with him through Jesus. In this revelation, we recognize that we were born into sin and need to be forgiven of our sins and are in need of a Savior. What does a person have to do to be made right before the Father? First, recognize you're a sinner and are in need of a Savior. Second, repent of sin. Turn away from your sin. Believe in the Lord Jesus and be saved. Third, receive his forgiveness. And four, become a child of God. It's that simple. After that, continue to be fed through, a, through the word at a church like Catalyst, where you can grow in spiritual maturity. For those who have heard and believed, let's look at what else this means for you. He indwells all believers. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit happens at the moment we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. God himself takes up residence in our bodies. Reading in John 14, 17, Jesus said, The Spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. To be indwelled by the Holy Spirit is a big deal. In the Old Testament, 
God's spirit was found to be occupied in the inner sanctum of the temple in Jerusalem. It was a sacred place called Holy of Holies. I define it as a spiritually perfect place where no one was worthy of entering. There, sacrifices were made on behalf of men to seek forgiveness for the sins of the people. Now, through Christ's shed blood, death, burial, and resurrection, he became the one true and perfect sacrifice to redeem us once and for all and cover the sins of man for all those who would believe. For believers, we now are the place of God's inhabitants. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20, it says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Believers, do you recognize the fact that the Holy Spirit is in you even now? Do you live a life that displays that you have been saved by the grace of God? Or do you forget that you were indeed bought at a price and reflect the nature of Jesus in you? Do you display the love of the Lord in your daily lives to those around you? No one should willfully carry the Holy Spirit into a drunken house party or watch a video of unmentionable scenes we won't describe here. How about unwholesome talk about another person or live a life of greed or anger or any other thing that goes against God's will for your lives? Are you honoring God in your bodies today? God's place of residence? We all need to be mindful that the Holy Spirit indwells us. The next we will see, he seals us as believers. In Ephesians 1, 13-14, it says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. When a king would send a letter or make a decree, he would mark the letter with a seal. The seal was a sign of authenticity. It marked ownership and protection to those who possessed it. No one dared to break the seal, for they knew harsh punishment would be the result of those who broke his seal. When we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, God himself marked us with the Holy Spirit. His Spirit is a sign of his ownership. We have the Holy Spirit's help and protection and are guaranteed an inheritance in heaven as a child of God. No one would blatantly break a king's seal for the fear of horrible repercussions. The same can be said of God our Father. You you cannot break the seal he has created in you, and God does not break the seals he creates. Someone may say, if that's the case, I can sin in all sorts of ways and it'll be okay. I wouldn't recommend that. The Holy Spirit, who is there to protect to protect you and help you will also convict you 
of this sin in your life. He will continually remind you of this sin. He will constantly remind you of who you belong to and remind you of God's word and his will for your life until you repent and turn away from that sin. He is there to protect you from the sin that is harmful in your life. He has placed a seal on your life that you can rely on. This is good news for you today. Fourth, he also helps us in our weakness. Romans 8, 26 through 27 says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our heart knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. For the believer, it is a great comfort to know you always have the Holy Spirit with you. His presence is always near. It is sad to admit, but we at times are subject to forget of his ever-loving presence and are prone to rely on our best judgment in making decisions instead of relying on the power of the Spirit to guide us. We all at one time or another experience situations in our lives that may catch us off guard. We do not see a crisis coming, and before long we are caught right in the middle of a tough event. I know I've been in situations where I had no clue as to what I should do next. You are sort of left speechless and just asking God for help, even if you yourself don't know what the help is. The situation may not even be for yourself. It could be for a friend or a loved one who is in dire straits. This passage reminds us that the Lord knows your needs even when you are unable to express them. He hears and sees the trial that is before you and is providing the strength for you to bear this burden. It is wonderful to know that the Spirit is interceding on your behalf and he will guide you through this storm as the Father wills. Rely on the Spirit to help you in times of weakness. The next one is he's, he produces fruit in the believers. One of the Holy Spirit's tasks is to help believers grow in Christian maturity. Through his enabling and guidance, the believer begins to produce fruit and display the love that Christ has shown to all of us in his ministry. Prior to our conversion, you may have displayed tendencies of pride, selfishness, hatred, lack of compassion, jealousy, and all other sorts of behaviors that the Lord would find displeasing. It is ingrained in our human nature, and we tend to lean towards these attributes. But when we are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, he changes our desires and points us towards the attributes that Jesus displayed. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says, But the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Who here today could use a dose of these fruits of the Spirit? To receive this help, we need to rely on the Spirit to lead us and to guide us. If you read and depend on God's Word and follow his instructions, we all grow in Christian maturity. 
There is no reason for you as a Christian to remain stagnant in your spiritual growth. A believer who is not growing will not display good fruit. He will be the one who acts like a believer on Sunday and then returns to worldly habits and, and ambitions throughout the week. If this behavior continues, he will fall into the trap that once held him in, in captivity, and he will not display the gifts that the Spirit provides. Rely on the Holy Spirit to guide you. Study God's words so that you may mature and display the fruits of the Spirit. And lastly, the Spirit glorifies Jesus. What does it mean to glorify Jesus? It is to give him praise and honor to the highest degree possible. In John 17, verses 1 through 5, it says, Jesus looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. We have come full circle with the life of Jesus in this passage. He was with God in the beginning before the world began, and he was going to return to the Father once his finished work was complete. Famous theologian J.I. Packard said, The Holy Spirit's role began once Jesus left the earth. The Spirit's role was to make us aware and point the spotlight on Jesus Christ and his glory. The Spirit is applying Jesus' work to our lives and salvation and making us more like Jesus as we continue in faith. The Spirit always points to Christ. He always says, look at him and see his glory. Listen to him and hear his word. Go to him and have life. Get to know him and taste his gift of joy and peace. Let us pray. Father, we are thankful for Jesus and his finished work on the cross. Will you, Father, lead us and guide Catalyst Church to fulfill its mission to reach the lost for your kingdom? Will you empower and grow each believer here today so that they will fulfill the Great Commission? Will you bless each CNU student and their families here today? It is my prayer that all of those in Newport News, the peninsula, and all around the world will receive the blessed gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, your Son. May all these prayers come to pass as you will them. Amen.